Hi there, you're listening to the Steve Perriman podcast with my normal uh, partners in crime, Howard and Tom, uh, bringing with them their opinions of the latest events at our beloved Tottenham Hotspur. So uh, welcome, Tom. Welcome, Howard. Um, Evening. Valentine's Day. It'll all be over by the time we we put this out tomorrow. But uh, are you having a good Valentine's Day? I was, oh, well, I was, we don't normally do anything. You're younger, Tom, so it's more on your plate. Yeah, we don't we don't normally do anything for it, but I um I did nip out this afternoon to um to grab some flowers from the garage. By the time they'd got to like the half price end of the day, um, and there were lots of other blokes doing the same thing, so um, I was in good company. Well done. What about you, Howard? I went to the flower shop on Saturday and ordered for them to be delivered here this morning, which they weren't. I think I pick them up, but anyway, we got them. She got them. Well done. So you're clear. <laughs> Just about. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're clear of extra problems. Um, if anyone remembers this, I've been moved in this house now for about uh, 15 months, I suppose. And so last year was my first uh, Valentine's Day with neighbours. Suffice to say, where I used to live, there was a long driveway and I, I wasn't uh, aware of deliveries to other houses left and right of me. Um, but in this new place, um, I had to actually phone the chap, great neighbours, Heidi and Andy. I had to phone him to say, listen, no more deliveries. That's six today. It's enough. You're now putting me under extreme pressure. Now, they're having a lot of work done in their house and probably a, a hell of a new kitchen. So I think all his money has gone on the, the new kitchen rather than Valentine's Day chocolates etc etc so chaps um the last two games um i tried to match that up with giving presents away where we certainly give, give some points away um you both were present at the games uh, against southampton and wolves uh, any comments in general we don't normally necessarily have to talk about each game as it comes but any general comments from you, Howard, first? I think I've said many, many times that we need to buy players who are men, who are going to compete, who are going to get stuck in. And it seems to me we bet we buy whichever player happens to be available at the time, irrespective. That's yeah. I'm very, very, very frustrated with that. Um, Dyer, we've clearly missed him. <laughs> so one statistic that the six games we played without him, we conceded. Without him, we conceded seven goals or more. And with him, the six games he's played, we have clean sheets. Yeah, it can't just be coincidence. And also, sure. I think I think that um, we haven't yet seen Romero partnering Dyer. Yeah, they give you two 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 men who at least understand the game a bit. Yeah, yeah, Romero is starting to look at a decent player isn't he within the defeats yeah and of course it's a bit too early for the other two the brand new two players uh the swedish lad and the is he from uruguay the other chap Bentenko's uruguayan yeah yeah 
so um, we'll we give them a bit more breathing space. But I mean, promising yeah. in a way, I suppose. Um, how about you, Tom? What you looking at? Uh, so I, I sit in the uh, in the northeast corner. Um, so I had a, a lovely view of, uh, of of every single one of the the goals that was conceded. Well, the, the last two against Southampton and the uh, the two against Wolves. I mean, all of which were just catastrophic, really, in terms of the way we presented presented them with the opportunity to to, to score quite simply against us. Um, and then the, the first Southampton goal as well at the other end was. Um, was a catalogue of errors between Ben Davies and um, and and Hoybier, not really getting involved where he should have been, in my opinion. Um, just really disappointing. I think before after the Brentford game, uh, sorry, the Brighton game, I think we we kind of all felt that the team played well and everyone looked like they knew what was what what role they had and and what was we expected of them. And then we go into what we think are two relatively winnable home games to to get right back up into the the top four reckoning and. Um, we just we just thrown that that chance away. It feels like, and you know, it's 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 frustrating as well seeing seeing some of the tactics as well. I mean, the best the best we played this season under under Conte have been the three five twos against um, Liverpool, Leicester, um, and and whenever we just play with the two in the midfield like we have these last couple of games, we just look overrun. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was disappointing. Well, particularly disappointed. I um. I haven't been live at the games, so bear that in mind. And the camera doesn't always catch the important parts that I would be looking for. Of course, it shows the goals and the build-up to the goals and replays and stuff like that. But I am wondering about the goalkeeper with the back line, whether it's a back three or a back four or sometimes a back five. But... I wonder how much communication is going on between Hugo and and the last line of defenders. Um, perhaps I was extremely lucky to play with people like Pat Jennings and Ray Clements, who absolutely dominated you in that in that box, in that penalty box. That penalty box was his, and um, I th- I think there's too many. Um, slashes at the ball that are not successful at clearing it that go up in the air or or come back and hurt us in some way when it it feels to me either either the goalkeeper is not giving instructions or warnings or information or those players are not listening to the instructions and uh, whichever of those cases apply it's um it's not really good enough, is it? Because we're, we're too easy to score against. And um, so what I'm saying about that communication, if, if, if we're having a decent day, it doesn't get shown up. If we're having a nervous day defensively, and I suggest against Southampton, the first five minutes, it was obvious that there was mistakes going to happen. And that's where I think the goalkeeper whether he's a captain or not doesn't matter to me the the goalkeeper is the captain of that box and therefore the information the warnings the guidance telling a player that steady steady meaning you don't have to slash at the ball and therefore make a possible mistake um comes to the forefront so 
that disappointed me a bit. And what I've noticed in the two games, sorry to sort of be, be leading this, chaps, but in the two games, it looks to me like our two opponents that are not top-level opponents, they're not Man City, they're not Chelsea, they're not whoever. Um, of course, they're good, and you've got to pay respect to the opponents. But the midfield players of those teams are all-round midfielders. If they need to keep it, they can keep it. If they need to defend, get back and clear, the, clear their lines, they do that. If they need to get, run on beyond, they can do that. If they can want to take free kicks in corners, they can do that. But it's, it's as if other teams have all-round midfielders and we have a so-called specialist defensive midfielder or a specialist attacking midfielder. And when they're called in to do the other bit of work, as you need an 11-man squad, squad on that field to be all playing to the same tune, that we, we've got players that can't handle the ball or, or can't feed the through pass or can't defend or can't get forward and beyond. So I sort of wonder about, our, our, as Howard mentioned before, he, he, he wanted more men. That's, that's a certainty. You've got to have men to compete. What was it Conte said? He wants players that kill. Well, well, that, that, that's about right. You, over my dead body, are you going to get that ball in the net? So, um, so particularly disappointing, but um, who knows? Who knows? We can, we can certainly improve. I think that's where Conte is leading us to. He's asking for a bit of reality and a bit of patience. Is he fair to ask that, Howard? Sure. I mean, he's not been there long enough to not be given given that, that benefit of the doubt. Um, and the squad he inherited, you can already see the ones he wants to get rid of as they've gone out on loan, but of course they come back if they don't do well enough, don't they? Yes, they do. They do, which which gives us a bigger problem. Yeah. How have you got the funds then to go and spend elsewhere? And of course, hopefully make better decisions on players that are coming in. So until you get rid of the ones that you don't want anymore, that, that can lead to a problem. So um, what about you, Tom? Yeah, yeah I mean tea time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Conte is one of the one of the best managers in the world. We're obviously lucky lucky to have uh, to to have attracted him and 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 to have him. I, I just wonder if the job is bigger than he ever realized it it would have been before he before he came in. Um and when you when you look at our recruitment over the last few years, yeah, when you think about the 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 fullbacks or wingbacks we used to have in Rose and Walker, you know, we've just downgraded so much in terms of what we have on those flanks now compared to what they used to offer. Um, similarly, you know, we've we've signed. I think Romero is probably one of the only real kind of come in first team ready, come in and and and, and make a position your own type signings we've made in in yeah. such a long time. And and so you do start looking at the at the recruitment and and what Conte is kind of left with in terms of a, a squad to work with so you know he's been here five minutes in the grand scheme of things I think there was always it was always going to be this summer that that was going to be when he was going to start putting his mark on on the squad um you know you you, you kind of hope he's satisfied with what happened in January and in, in terms of the transfer market you assume that there's probably more he wanted to do um but 
but yeah, I mean, it's 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 disappointing where we are now. Uh, I don't think at this rate we're going to get the top four, um, and what that means for our, for some of our best players and 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 for Conte himself, who knows? But um, you know, and and the players we can attract. Yeah, absolutely. If we're not in that Champions League, there's a rumor going around talking of loan players that Gareth Bale's coming back. Yeah, I've heard that that he signed a pre-contract agreement. That's. Um, are you happy with that around. one, chaps? Are you happy? Yeah, well, I'd love to see him back again because I feel like we were kind of robbed of seeing him um, when he was back because we couldn't go to the stadium and, and see him play. Mourinho didn't play him much anyway. So, um, but he showed, you know, when you think about the amount of goals he actually scored in that in that period of time, even though he didn't play um, all that often, um, compared to the likes of Lacelso, who's offered one Premier League goal in his entire Spurs career, um, you know, you just anyone who can provide that guaranteed return, plus just to see him again in the flesh for, for, for a season would be would, would be great. Yeah. And the supporters' reaction, you're both live there at the game, games. Um, the supporters' reaction to the team or to mistakes, passing mistakes, for instance, or a missed tackle or, or whatever, a, a slashed clearance, um, are they being too harsh on the team or, or is it understandable, Howard? Well, I mean, you've got one end of the scale, you've got uh, Royal Emerson, whatever his name is, who just looks like he hasn't got a clue at all. He's struggling. <laughs> he's really struggling. And instead of him, you've got Doherty, which you don't do anything up to much. Well, he's better than he, doing a bit better than he was. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Trippier, who we practically gave away, he scored two direct free kicks in his first week at Newcastle. Yeah. No question, they're going to stay up. He'll be a, a decent right back, and we'll we'll have Emerson all over. Yeah. And you wonder why a player like Trippier leaves us. He he, he spoke about that, didn't he? Has he? I, I I haven't seen that. Yeah, he he says it's all down to Daniel. Okay. He was I don't know who who was with him when he was at. Did they offer him out somewhere? Did they offer him out in a deal and then? It didn't happen, and therefore he decided, okay, you want me out? I'll, I'll go and find myself. It could be that way, but I, I, I've got a sneaking suspicion it wasn't. It was Daniel saying, we got enough full, fullback, so you haven't got much of a future here. So. Uh-huh. But he was interested. He, he was battling with Serge Aurier, wasn't he, for the, for the right-back spot? But yeah. he, I mean, Trippier's last season, he definitely didn't hit the heights. No. That, he, that, that he had done, and he had some... There was definitely... A, I, remember, I remember the FA Cup game away at Palace... Um, where he missed a penalty and he, he was just generally, it just seemed like he'd kind of reached a point of no return because mm. it's, but, 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 you know, it was one, one bad season. I think he'd shown enough in the years before with us that he was um, a worthy, a yeah. worthy right sided player. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and our defensive problems, any, any solutions can you see from what we've already got? Of course, we got a chance of getting dire fit. Um, Skip, how, how look, what's happened to Skip? Is he is he injured as well? He has been, yeah. I think we definitely we definitely miss him. You're talk, talking earlier about midfielders who um, who can do everything, you know, like having having midfielders who can do all aspects of the game. I think Skip's, you know, he's not a goal scoring midfielder, but he's certainly one who can drive us forward a bit more than than I think Winks does, um, while still being very solid in his defensive covering as well. Um, yeah. so I think we definitely missed him. I don't like to be a knocker of Winks, but Sassy Sunday, he was awful. Mm. 
Yeah, he, he didn't look good, did he? No. Didn't look good. He felt like he turned a corner a bit recently, but he's... It did, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, last couple of games, just, I mean, not that anyone else has covered themselves in glory, but it's just the individual mistakes and the yeah. some of the, some of the passing that play, players playing each other into trouble. Um it's, it's it was it was and CB mentioned about the crowd's reaction and um you know I hate I, I hate hearing booing and, and 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 whatnot and I get that people are entitled if if they pay their money to to make their feelings known but I think during the first half of both games there was the the, the players almost some of the players almost gave the boo boys ammo on a plate with some of the passing some of the mm-hmm. some of the errors that were being made um which ended up just kind of bringing the pressure from the opposition piled onto us at, at, at the you know, at very early stages in the game, which then gets the crowd antsy and gets the, the atmosphere potentially toxic before we've really got going. There's obviously a lack of confidence, isn't there? Yes, yes. With, yeah. with regard to the current results. And I think uh, Conte answered that by saying, that's our job. That's our job. And actually, you need to be a man to step up when you're getting criticised. Um, I, I got asked the other day about a, a famous game where I ended up scoring a volley from half volley from the edge of the box, and later on in that game, I um, I stooped, or in better words, I was stupid to put my head low into a challenge and got my eye kicked by Liam Brady. I don't think he actually meant it; he was going for the ball, and. Um, and I was listening on the radio and there was a discussion on about injuries and it, it wasn't professional injuries. I think these were comedians talking about it. And then one comedian came out with a very interesting line. He said he remembers a quote from a very famous American football coach that said uh, he doesn't or he didn't expect his players to play injured. They expected them to play hurt. So over the years, people have said to me, why did you stay on in that game? You, you, your face, you look more like a boxer than, than a footballer. Why did you stay on? Well, a big fat eye does not stop you running around. It does not stop you doing your job. It does not stop you putting your foot in. This is against Arsenal, by the way. So <laughs> I want to be on that pitch, don't I? So it was a sort of an answer to me for why I stayed on, not that I needed it. But we're also talking about men actually at the end of scoring the goal from the corner, Mike England header, back to the edge of the box, half volley, high into the net. I, if you watch the film closely, I end up putting two fingers up. And everyone thinks that was to the Arsenal supporters. No, it was to the West Stand. Knowles. <laughs> that were giving me a rough time. Well, okay, I didn't answer that criticism like that every time. <laughs> if I had it done, it would have been worth giving me some abuse for it. But uh, but you, you've got to rise above what they're thinking about you or proving them wrong. And that's the only way you can do it. You can't go into a slump and go quiet. Surely you can't. So, um, but that for me was a very interesting quote yeah i think that's i think that's i guess what you're talking about having men players yeah, now how, the, one, how the, was, one, the ones how who can res- the yeah the ones who can respond positively to that kind of criticism and 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 want to show them 
Sure. Show, show, yeah, show them that they that they're better better than that. And that's your fight back. Yeah, yeah. And that's it, your fight back. Whether it's to to the opponent that's that's giving you the run around, you've got to fight him back. If it's the crowd that are making it difficult for you because they're affecting your confidence, you've got to step through it and and drive on. And that's the way it is. You've got a, you've got a fight against the manager that's not picking you, or Cessignon, for instance. Cessignon got pulled off very early. Some would say, I actually couldn't quite understand why he was selected in the first, first place, place, as per what I've seen. And remember, I'm not live at the game, so I'm not seeing one hundred percent of it. But you've got to fight your corner to get yourself back into it. You don't slink away in a corner and and cry. You've got to stand up and be counted. And one, when the manager or the crowd or the opponent see that, they think, ah, oh, okay, I've got somebody here. We're, we've now got a game on. So, so yeah. Um, okay, enough of the, the six wasted points. Um, Howard, do you want to say something about the Y word that's yeah. coming into everyone's notice these days? Yeah. Firstly, firstly, language languages change. Words evolve. For example, awful in Old English, or refer to fear, terror, or dread. This later morphed into a solemn or reverential wonder, and awful and awesome were synonymous with awe-inspiring. Later, awful took on awful took on a solely negative connotation, and the word found its modern-day usage to mean extremely bad. Awesome, meanwhile, evolved in the opposite way probably in the mid-1900s, and came to mean extremely good. Cute. Originally, the word was acute, meaning sharp, hence don't get cute with me. But mostly, it's used as an adjective to mean something sweet, little and sweet. Of course, if the Y word is directed at someone in a horrible tone, it is clearly meant in a derogative way. However, over the past 35, 40 years, the Y word has become synonymous with being a Spurs fan. This gives me the opportunity to discuss why the Y word is bad historically and how it came about to become something quite different. The way it's evolved from a Spurs supporter, I think, is a good thing. To me personally, and I'm of course Jewish, and very much a Spurs supporter. Back in the mid-90s, I was opening a brand new bookshop in Guildford in Surrey. It was due to open on the Tuesday morning. On the Saturday prior to the opening, I was obviously in the shop running up and down aisles with a million things on my mind. Because the shop wasn't actually open, the staff were wearing their own personal casual clothing. These included a security guard, and he arrived for walk, and as he walked past me, he said, Morning, Gov. Later, I was about to display some books on a table, and I realised that I'd be better off doing them in a different way, which meant I needed to move the table. I went to get the security guard to help me. He was having a cup of tea in the staff room, and I opened the door and was about to say, Please come and give me a hand when I saw that he'd taken off his jacket and underneath was an Arsenal shirt. My natural <laughs> reaction was to reel back in horror. I said, I knew I didn't like you. For a second, the guy looked really concerned and then he laughed and I said, when you fit, finish your tea, come and give me a hand. A bit later, I'm still running up and down the aisles and, and in my own head. And I passed the guard and as I did, he said, you a Yiddo then? I stopped, frozen to the spot. And then it dawned on me, he meant that I was a Spurs supporter, and that, that, that was when I realised that the meaning of the word Y word had evolved. For me, that all started with a match at Stamford Bridge, and the Chelsea supporters started to hiss like the gas chambers. It was shocking, absolutely shocking. 
The following week, we went to a home game and a group of Spurs supporters had somehow made contact with a lot of other Spurs supporters and draped the flag of Israel over the East End balcony. Of course, we realised not everyone was Jewish, but the Spurs supporters were all claiming the Y word. All commendation to the Spurs supporters for having done this in the first place, but now it served its purpose. Sadly, anti-Semitism is rife again. So I feel that it could become a negative again. As Spurs have stated this week, it's time to move on. And I agree with the club, it is time to move on. Well done, Howard. Well done, you're agreeing with the club. It had to happen sometime. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Tom, any, any comment as a non-Jewish Spurs supporter? Yeah, I mean, as, as obviously I, I feel totally unqualified to, to kind of pass too much comment on it. As you say, I'm, I'm not Jewish. Um, however, I've grown up identifying the word with a feeling of camaraderie, positivity towards uh, fellow fans and, and, and Spurs. Yeah, it, it becomes part of our chance, part of um, what, what you call someone who's had a good game, um, that kind of thing. So it was only when I got a bit older that I kind of un more understood the, the, the historical context and, 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 what, and what it meant. And I guess that's always been in the back of my mind as something I should maybe feel a bit more uncomfortable about. Um, and, you know, I, I, I agree with Howard that um, it's, if, 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 given the kind of current climate, the way things have developed, the way, you know, if, if, if the club says it's time to move on and if Jewish Spurs fans think it's time to move on, then it is time to move on, no question. Um, I just think what was quite disappointing yesterday was um, uh, Sky Sports did a report which just seemed to kind of ignore all the history and the nuances a bit behind the use of it. I mean, if, I've just got the quote here. Um, Sky Sports News reporter Mark McAdam was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and said, clearly the statement that came out on Thursday from the football club asking for the fans to stop using that word has fallen on deaf ears. And within three minutes here, I want to be talking about the football and not about an anti-Semitic chant that the club has very kindly asked its fans to stop saying. And I just kind of think that that sums up the, it's, 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 it's very difficult to, to, to make things black and white here but it seems to me that just misses the point entirely of of, of of why the fans have sung it not doesn't take into account what what prompted fans to sing it in the first place um and to expect it to just switch off like that because they've been asked to and then to kind of call the fans and you know anti-semitic singing anti-semitic chant and and it's, and it's horrible that they were doing that because they were asked not to just seems to kind of um just sums up that there's so much more to this than that than than there is necessarily on the surface to someone who doesn't know about the history knows doesn't understand why the word was embraced yeah. in this way um i hope i hope that's kind of fair well enough done. howard but um yeah. that's 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 where i kind of seem to view it as well, from, from my position i um i relate back to the needing men and when Howard said about Stamford Bridge and the horror of those noises. Our supporters' way of standing up for themselves was to then take the word on board and use it back against them. So I, I can't criticise that. I can't criticise. They were standing their ground for us, our identity. So, okay, that's as far as I'll go because I'm not Jewish, and um, but I'm... I'm listening to someone like Howard, and if Howard says it's time to move on, I can't disagree with that. 
So um, another talking point was the Martinelli red card. Any comments? I'll, I'll, I'll comment first. <laughs> I'll comment first. I loved it. I loved the referee giving two yellow cards for a player that tried to stop a throw-in. Has that ever been allowed? And then because he played on, the lad then decided to foul the chap. If the referee decided that foul was worth a yellow card, then it was worth two yellow cards. That's, I thought it was fine. 100%. Not yeah. because he's Arsenal, not because. Yeah. If it was our player, I'd say you're stupid. Why did I'd you agree. do that? I'd agree. You know, you kind of, I was, so someone, someone um, was saying to me the other day, yeah, but the whole point of the first yellow card is to give him a warning and he didn't get that warning um, as a result of it happening in that same phase of play. I was like, just no, not true. You know, you've kind of you've you've done a yellow card offence. Players play players gone on. The referee has signalled he's playing with advantage, which surely would tell you that you at risk of getting a yellow card for what you've just done. You don't then just go and chop him down again without fear of absolutely. Uh, Howard, anything? Good referee. Sort of covered it, but yeah, no, I think it's the right actually the right thing to do, whoever it was. But the fact that it was then helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I want to see referees. Lay the law down. Yeah. I, I despise the ball goes out of play in this position. And then whoever it is, a Tottenham player or whoever, uses that position to then start his run up to then launch the ball down the line. So there's about 10, 15 metres difference between that, that spot. As soon as a referee lets the first player get away with that, he loses a bit of control. Surely he does. So Do I, you know I want to. I want to see referees tighten up. Do you know what I want to see? I want to see, you know what, you know when a player goes down and he grabs the ball with his hands to make the ref's decision for him? That should be a straight red card, I think, because the more it gets, the more, the more, play, I, I swear players are doing it more and more these days. Yeah. And it's getting to a point where they're kind of psychologically making the referee make a decision by doing yeah. that. And, and you're seeing it happen with some pretty 50-50 challenges at the moment. And the ref just gives the free kick because that's the easier decision to, yeah. given that in that place but yeah i hate that and uh another pet hate of mine nothing to do with referees by the way when a player scores a goal he runs to the corner flag and slides on his knees if you're looking to buy an injury keep doing that trust me keep doing that and i heard of a player the other day maybe i've said this before ian wright owned up that when he had a a bit of a a problem with harry redknapp when Harry signed him at West Ham, he got injured celebrating in that style and tweaked his knee. And Harry accused him of not wanting to be fit for the next game. That's the first time I've ever heard of a player owning up to getting injured by going on his knees. Would I find that player if he wasn't available the next game, if he went on his knees? Ridiculous. So Howard mentioned the word cute. My youngest one, Went to the new stadium the other day, unfortunately for her, for the for the Wolves game. Um, and she's cute. i got to tell you, she's cute. So, um, yeah, bad bad debut for her in the, in the new stadium. But uh, perhaps if she goes again, she'll, she'll help us get a, a better result. So we are uh, Man City next with Leeds to follow after that. Um, I don't really introduce a, 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 a guest way before he comes on, but 
that leads, when we talk about leads, I'm going to invite a, a chap called Paul Trevelyan. You people out there might know him through the, the cartoon style drawings he, he does. Uh, famous for that. Uh, they get sold for a lot of money. And he used to do a, a quite a famous uh, piece in the Sunday People every week of top, top sports stars. And say, for instance, uh, the drawing would be about um, Jack Nicholas, and his nickname was the bear. You would see the bear within the drawing. It's quite amazing how he did it. But Paul Trevelyan is uh, a Spurs fan, and he's an he's a artist of some repute. And he was responsible, this is where Leeds comes in, for leading Leeds into the new era of trying to make themselves popular, which was some job. And it started in the sixth round of the cup against Tottenham at Leeds in March 72. We lost 2-1. John Pratt scored, put us in front, and then they come back and beat us 2-1. So we could have killed all the celebrity, all the showbiz, all the fanfare that this man encouraged Leeds to build up with sock ties and sock numbers and names on the back of their, their um, tracksuit tops and a warm-up that hadn't been done before like they do today. So um, Paul Trevelyan is going to be very interesting <laughs> to listen to. So uh, I wish our troops the very best of luck against Man City next week. For some reason, we seem to do well against Man City. Let's, mm. let's keep our fingers crossed on that one. Let's hope we get uh, defensive players back fit. And... Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening and sorry about the loss of points. But uh, Howard, thank you for all your comments. Pleasure. Much appreciated on your on your your, your Y word. And uh, Tom, also thank you for your help. And we'll see you, we'll regroup next time. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Spurs.